Hello and welcome to the Three Musketeers podcast. Introducing the brothers behind it, Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Join them on their journey as they discuss unconventional topics from different perspectives. Real experience with key speakers around the world. Welcome back to another episode with Hamid and Hissam. I think before we talk to our guest, this is probably going to be a raw and an emotional conversation. The person uh, is Simon Young. Hey, Sai, you okay? You're not bad, man. You right? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, I've known Simon for many years. We worked in an organization and uh, we had our own sense of banter um, that no one else got, uh, which was amazing. And I kind of wish we talked about you know, friendship, uh, maybe we do another separate episode. Hmm. But today, we're going to probably follow Sai's difficult journey, uh, horrible journey, uh, but also probably beautiful uh, in a way. So Sai, um, let's just start from your happiest day alive, but also the saddest day you've enjoyed so far, and just take us from there. So, happiest day of my life so far, which is a little bit short, a little bit longer than yours, but not too much longer, um, has been um, the day I got married. Um, so, I got married um, to my soulmate, but it was under it was under some under some different kind of circumstances than most people would kind of get married under. Um, still doesn't detract away from it being the happiest day of my life, um, but. So I got married in a hospital to Tash or Natasha, depends on kind of how I, which the circumstance I talked to her in. Um, but we got married in Southampton General Hospital. Um, it was a beautiful ceremony. It was in the middle of lockdown. Um, so it was, um, it was an odd setting. Um, not very many, many people there, uh, but just, just a day of happiness, just pure happiness. Just, uh, it was what we always wanted. Um, like I say, not the circumstances we wanted it to be under, but yeah. it was um be- beautiful day. But the flip side is the um the reason we were getting married was um my my other half had terminal cancer. So, but it was it was something that I knew I wanted to do, and I knew she wanted. It was um it, it was she didn't know very long left to live. Uh, but I wanted to to make an honest lady out of her. Um, it was something that I knew she wanted, and we'd spoke about. Um, we'd kind of joked about it, and we had kind of um, silly rules that um, well, Tash had put in place uh, a lot of things around. When we first got together, there was um, we knew we were really good for each other. Um, yeah, it was kind of it was it. <laughs> When people say love at first sight, it's um people kind of bat the phrase around kind of loosely. Like you see it in films, you see it in kind of TV programs when people say it's love mm-hmm. at first sight. But for us it was there was definitely something there. I mean I can't say it was love because you, you at that point you can't say that you, you can love the person without knowing them. But you you can definitely fall in love with their appearance and the way they walk and the way their attitude is and just the way they talk. Um, and there was definitely that. Um, so we were, 
we were introduced um, on a, uh, it was a blind date. It was a blind double date. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I had um, a friend I worked with. Um, he was just talking to me. He said, oh, I've got, I've got this friend called Tash. Um, uh, we went to school together and we've stayed contact and stuff. And, and I think you'd be quite a good fit. She's kind of, um, she's got the same kind of attitude towards things as you do. Um, so how about I set you up on a blind date? And I was like, yeah, cool. Sounds like fun. And there was kind of like loads of build up to it. And and Jake, who's the friend who introduced us, he was kind of saying, well, you nervous, you nervous. And I was like, I'm not nervous because what will be will be. I mean, I can't I can't change who I am. She's not going to change who she is. So I can't be nervous. I was excited, definitely excited because he had sent me pictures and I thought she was an attractive girl. So I kind of was happy to kind of go along. But then when I did actually meet her we were already in the restaurant so it was um in a in a little restaurant up in um winchester um and we were we went already went in because she was running a little bit late because of work um and literally she walked in with just such sass and attitude it was um not bad attitude but just yeah. positive attitude that that yeah from what i saw uh yeah loved her just how could i not um there was just something about the whole way she was and the way she had, no, just no. But I suppose you can say the aura she gave off. It was there was just something there, you know. But do you know what I think? You saying is the the cheesy line of love at first sight. I think there are those occasions that you know you you'll you'll meet your soulmate, and you kind of know. And to me, that's what it sounds like that happened that day. Yeah, that's how exactly how it felt. Because from it was almost so it wasn't uh, and again I won't say we weren't inseparable from that moment because obviously we were still getting to know each other and it was difficult yeah. to get to know each other truthfully uh, in a double date situation. Um, the bit that we enjoyed the most was the sat there both taking the mick out of the mutual friend that we had, which was far too easy because he's um, he acts a fool quite a lot of the time. So it was kind of really easy to um, we don't we'd known it we I'd known him for oh, fifteen years. Um, and she'd obviously known him since school, so a long old time. Um, but it was just, that was really easy. And then it kind of turned into texting and talking and then kind of going out on our first date on our own as well, which was um, which was good fun. But the funniest thing was that it's just, just things that clicked on the date was we were in a Thai restaurant. Um, she was like, oh, do you want some Thai crackers? And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be nice. I didn't get any of the Thai crackers. She'd eaten them all. Like long before I'd even gone in to reach in to get one of them. And I was like, oh, they've gone. So I ordered some more. Um, so I was like, well, she's my kind of girl because I like my food and, and she had a good appetite. Um, and then it was little things like, this is going to sound silly, but she offered me the rest of her food when she'd finished eating. And I was like, yeah, because why would I not? Why would I waste some food? But it was just the fact that she felt she could. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to finish it because it was nice food. Um, but just little things like that it was just kind of it just it flowed there wasn't anything difficult there wasn't um, and if there was silence it wasn't the awkward silence you can sometimes get like around certain people yeah but um, yeah so we then just started dating and started kind of doing the usual kind of thing Um, she kicked me she kicked my ass at mini golf a couple of times and the second time I actually went back to try and win but and I actually really tried to win as in put all of my effort into trying to win crazy golf and still lost. So um, she definitely 
she's definitely still reigning champion. Um, and then it just kind of it just flowed, and then it was just she moved out of because uh, she was she went to university later in life. She well, she started normal, and then kind of went out and got some like real world experience and travelled the world and um, went out and kind of worked for a bit. Um, and then she decided to go back to Winchester to finish her degree, um, which she was kind of super proud about. Um, and she managed to finish her degree and she got a first. Um, so she was well chuffed with that. But then she had to move out of her, like in, in the interim, she moved out of her uni flat. And she kind of moved her stuff back to her parents' house. And I think she maybe spent one night there before kind of just spending all the time at like my house. And she just moved in and it just became our house. This is in Southampton now, yeah? Yes, yeah, in oh, Southampton. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, but it was quite funny because I'd been single a while, so it was, I don't really like the term bachelor pad, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it was. It definitely had a, a, a manly kind of side to it. It had things like bikes in the kitchen and I had my tool cabinet in the kitchen. In the kitchen. Oh, it, was, it wasn't dirty though, because I'm not a dirty, like it was clean because it was in like a nice pristine roller cabinet and stuff like that. But it was in the kitchen because, you know. That's what he's saying now is clean. It's for the podcast. Yeah. So people yeah. start the <laughs> and it had kind of like stylish, but not comfortable chairs in the lounge. It had like a, a leather Chesterfield and stuff like that. And she was like, oh, this isn't comfortable. Um, but it was funny because she moved in and then it was within, I'd say within seven days, the bikes had gone, the tool, the tool cabinet had gone. We had a new table in the kitchen um, because it was just like, it was just, it, it was a kitchen. So uh, her words were, it's a kitchen. It should look like a kitchen. Um, so kind of did that, kept um, the kitchen clean and like didn't have tools in it then. So she was happy. And then we ended up um, just little things like getting new sofas and stuff like that. And she definitely softened the place up a bit because it wasn't cold, but it wasn't, I didn't have very many pictures. I'm not going to put pictures of me up because I don't, I don't think that's like He's me. not an attractive right? person, that's why. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wow. <laughs> Let's be honest. Isn't it? The house is this now is full podcast. of pictures. People of... don't know what he looks like. I've seen him. Oh, okay. Yeah. With his well, dodgy back. You should see when he walks funny when his back's got a spasm. <laughs> that's been good now since I don't travel as much. It's been a lot better. Um, but yeah, you know, picture kind of Brad Pitt, George Clooney, um, and then someone completely opposite to them. I think more Thor from um, not the one from the, Game the of Thrones. Last one. <laughs> yeah, the, the one from Game of Thrones, though, not the one from. <laughs> um, but um, no, it was kind of so it softened it up. And then obviously, then there was pictures of me, but it was mainly because Tash looked good in them. So we put pictures up with. Um, but we did quite a few things. Like um, we went away for a murder mystery weekend, which some people on my probably said again, lame. But it was actually quite fun. Stayed in a hotel in Bournemouth and. It was properly kind of Amdram kind of thing um, with people with, while we were eating dinner and stuff like that. But it was a proper dress up. So it was kind of, I was in a tux, Tash was in this, honest to God, the most beautiful silver dress I've ever seen. Kind of a, a it was a wraparound dress, but it was just, oh, it was just elegant and what well, sexy as well. Um, but yeah, so there was um, uh, like a professional photographer there with like backdrops and stuff. Um, yeah. So that, that picture, we had a picture of that taken. That's up in the, in the lounge yeah it was good so, it kind of softened it up i was gonna say it from from you know me hearing it, it it sounds like you clicked since day one and you probably kind of knew back of your mind that she's the one 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that was kind of the, um, that was where the jokes came about kind of marriage and stuff like that. It was kind of, she wanted it to be, it was, we had to be together for at least a year before I could even think of asking her to marry me. We then couldn't be engaged for more than 18 months and it had to be a summer wedding. And it was kind of, then we just started joking about kind of Tasha's list of rules. And she never wanted anything fancy. She was never kind of demanding a castle and a horse-drawn carriage or anything like that. She just wanted certain things. And then it was like other conversations around kind of children. She had to be, she had to have finished her degree, which obviously she did. Um, but then if she went off and did a master's, um, she'd had to have finished that before we could even think about kids. And there was just, a, it wasn't, it, it makes it sound like our life was run by rules, but literally we were the most relaxed, casual people ever. Um, like my job is to plan and make not rules, but work to rules and hold schedules and deadlines and stuff like that. So outside of work, I'm the complete opposite because uh, that's just how I find it easier to relax. Um, just to confirm, science profession was project management for many years. Just Hesam was giving me the giving me the looks like he's OCD. I was like, no, no, no. Because no, my no, job no, is to plan. No. I was like, oh, what's uh... yeah, 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 he's a project yeah, manager. Project manager in kind of safety and security critical environments as well. So it's it gets loads of triple checking done in it and stuff. Um, yeah, so it's kind of we used to relax. I mean, I don't know how many times this this is going to. But and adds into into Hamid's kind of uh, kind of visual picture he's painted of me. I don't know how many times we went to McDonald's for breakfast and just kind of laid in bed on a Sunday eating McDonald's breakfast with extra hash browns as well because there was a rule if you ever ordered McDonald's breakfast you had to have an extra hash brown because you had to have one in the muffin and one on the side. So but, when I said four, <laughs> Avengers the, the the second one. The la the last one, the last when one he, when he yeah, puts yeah. on, yeah, the fat suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> husky, we like to call it, right? If I, <laughs> but no, like I think for for me, uh, and obviously has some here in this, it sounds like you guys have a beautiful life. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was so we did did everything couples would um, went on holiday kind of went to see different things, did weekends away and stuff like that. And then then it got to Christmas 2019 um, and Tash had some pain in her ribs. Um, so Tash um, worked in um, the cathedral doing marketing um, and she was doing for Christmas. She did a lot of the setup for um, Winchester Cathedral has a huge Christmas market, like a world-renowned Christmas market every year. Um, and she was doing a lot of the setup for that and, um, it involved kind of moving pictures and banners and posters and boxes of leaflets and stuff like that. And we thought she'd just hurt her ribs. Um, went to see the doctor just to make sure because she woke up on Boxing Day. And she was in a lot of pain, which was odd because she she wasn't someone to kind of like be in pain. And if something was hurting her, it had to be really hurting her because she got over most things. And we went to see the doctor um, and... They were like, oh, have you done anything? And obviously we explained what she's been doing for work and stuff like that and moving boxes around. And he just kind of put it down to a muscle strain, um, just the intercostal muscle, um, just strain on that. And we said, okay. Um, he gave us some painkillers and honest, the pain did go away. Um, 
didn't fully go away, but it went away to a degree. Um, so then in January, we went on holiday. Um, Tash hated January's. She said January's was the worst month of the year, sometimes forgetting that my birthday was in January. Um, but said it was, almost, it was the most horrible month of the year because it was always cold, it was always dark, um, and it was obviously always the lull after the Christmas happiness because she was yeah. a, she loved Christmas. So we went, oh, fine, let's go away. Um, so we went away, um, booked two weeks in Cape Verde, um, which is it's kind of always sunny, a bit windy, a little bit cooler in the in January, but it's just always sunny. Um, so we went there, spent two weeks there and had kind of like a, a really relaxing but nice sun holiday, kind of in a, an all-you-can-eat, um, like, was it, non-inclusive resort, um, just stayed on the beach, played beach volleyball, um, just stupid things like bingo and kind of, um, some Swedish like shuffleboard game thing, but it, it was good. Um, it was funny though because um, Tash was just literally amazed at how much I could eat. Um, but it was all we can eat, so I'm gonna I'm gonna test eat it. All you can, eat. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, There's no terms and condition. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if someone says all you can eat, I'm gonna test it, and I did. Um, she took some pictures as well. Obviously, it's a podcast, so it's kind of pointless, but. Um, she she took so many pictures of literally the sheer mounds of food that I would come back with. But it was nice. Um, funny part of it was we got delayed and had to spend another three days on the island because our plane broke. Um, the engine wouldn't start. Um, so we literally ended up um, stuck on the island for an extra three days, but we wouldn't complain. They gave us another room and we just kind of relaxed for three days while they flew engineers and another plane out. Um, so that was quite cool. Uh, but then we came back and... She went back to work. Um, I don't know if I'm actually allowed to say the next bit, but um, Winchester Cathedral um, is actually quite heavily involved in um, the series of a TV program called The Crown. Um, they do a lot of recording there. So she was doing a lot of the organizing and running around, um, sorting out uh, all of the film crews and the, the stars and stuff like that um, for the filming. Um, she went back to work and she managed to meet her kind of like idol, which is Helena Bonham Carter, um, who I'll be honest, I'd never really heard of. Um, so I Googled. Um, and she was quite big in the Harry Potter series um, as Bellatrix. Um, oh, okay. Now I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was how I worked out. Once I said who that, I was like, oh, okay, I knew that. Um, so she got to meet her. Um, she got her autograph on the back of a chocolate wrapper. Um, so she was over the moon. Um, but then the pain came back really badly. Um, so she kind of left work um, two days after going back to work, um, went straight to the doctor's, had an emergency appointment. And um, the doctor said that she had reduced breath sounds um, on her right-hand side. And that was worrying. Um, so they um, sent her straight to the um, acute medical unit at St. Anthony General Hospital. Um, which is kind of means you bypass A&E and you go straight in because you've been referred by a, a GP. Yeah. Uh, did an x-ray um, and she had a shadow uh, on the lower right side of her kind of chest cavity. Uh, they weren't sure what it was, but they were worried. So she kind of got admitted straight away for some other checks and some other scans. Um, and they went through her kind of medical history because she was a fit and healthy 24-year-old. Um no real medical history of anything, nothing in the family, nothing that really concerned them, no obvious kind of symptoms of anything. Um, 
but they were worried that because she'd been traveling for kind of over a year around Asia and slept on floors, went wading through rivers and streams and kind of spent loads of time doing stuff like that, um, they were worried that she'd picked up a parasite. Um, and it was a lungworm parasite is what they were concerned about. So they um, they started testing her and we spent some time in what I nicknamed the, the Lady Lung Ward at um, the Southampton General. Um, it was kind of a, a respiratory ward for, for women. Um, and they just kept doing tests and scans and um, the um, infectious disease people used to come around and see her quite a lot. Um, and there was lots of blood tests. Um, and it even got sent off to the Centre for Tropical Diseases in London. Um, she had a referral and an MDT, um, well, a few MDTs up there for, um, sorry, MDTs, a multidisciplinary team meeting um, yeah. uh, for what, what it could be. Um, they weren't entirely sure. The blood results were inconclusive. And there was no real sign of it. And then um, the infectious disease doctor um, passed her over to... Um, the thoracic or the head of thoracic um, surgery, so cardiothoracics. Um, Dr. Wu, he was a um, brilliant doctor, complete. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen the the TV program, The Good Doctor, um, but um, the chap on there is, uh, plays a, an autistic doctor um, with not not the most kind of people skills in the world. Um, yeah. Dr. Wu was quite like that. Very, very good. Very, very qualified. Um, just very straight to the point. But I liked that because, you know, if someone's going to be kind of like spending some time inside your other half's chest cavity, you kind of want them to be the best and completely on their game, on their game and not focusing on something else. But he was really good. He, he waited to see if there's anything else that could come from the infectious disease team. Um, nothing came from it. Um, the... What they thought then was um, a hidatid cyst, which is just a cyst caused by a, a foreign parasite, um, mm. continued to grow. Um, they were monitoring it um, through kind of routine scans and ultrasounds and x-rays. Um, so he made the decision to say, look, we're never going to find out what this is. He said there was a risk because with their primary prognosis being a hidatid cyst, it was that the cyst pocket would be made up from a lot of byproducts from the parasitic worm, which would be um, toxic to the human body. So the reason they didn't go in and do biopsies and stuff was because they um, were worried um, that it was going to be, um, it would cause her an anaphylactic shock and, and cause it to her to have a heart attack and kind of pass away that way. Um, so they kept kind of putting off doing anything and just kept questioning kind of like what it could be, what it could be. Um, Dr. Wu, though, had kind of had enough of the infectious disease team um, being a little bit indecisive and he just kind of came to us one day. He says, I'm going to remove half your lung, which was a bit of a shock um, for someone kind of Tash's age to be told. Um, we're going to take half your lung out. Um, but Tash took it really well. She was worried, obviously, Anything, anyone who's going to have surgery um, and have half their lung removed, she was concerned. Um, but in the same way that Dr. Wu was very straight and very blunt, it kind of was then very reassuring because he told us everything that was there and what it could happen. Yeah. And and he, he did really well. So that was booked in two and a half weeks time. Um, so we went away, kind of started to prepare for things. We had to have kind of horrible conversation of 
what might happen if she did pass away um, from the surgery. Yeah. Um, but we just kind of took it as it came. The the morning of the surgery was quite difficult because um, by this time, Tasha was on quite a few more painkillers um, because the pain was getting worse. Um, and she wasn't able to have anything um, from for that morning. She wasn't allowed to have any of the painkillers because of the um, anaesthetic and some other pieces yeah. there. Um, so she was in a bit of pain. Um, they managed to take her in uh, to be the second operation that was performed. And he kind of given us a, a two to three hour window um, to do the surgery, um, which obviously kind of, I, I sat on my hands kind of for the two, three hours, kind of, and then stood up and paced around and kind of walked around and and then it got to three hours and she wasn't back and I kind of asked for an update and it was just, she's still in surgery. I got to four, I got to five and we got told that she was out. Um, and I was kind of at that point, all of my worries of stuff had gone away. They said the, they said the surgery had gone well, she's in recovery. Um, so that was that, it was kind of really good. Um, so we kind of hung around and then she, um, she got brought back up. She spent a little bit more time in recovery because just because the length of time she was under and she did lose quite a bit of blood. Um, so they had to do a transfusion, um, but it was fine. We kind of got back to the, got back to the ward and we were kind of, we could see that she'd had the surgery that they said that she would have. Yeah. Um, because there was a like bandages and stuff all down her right hand, like all around her right hand side. Um, and just kind of, was just happy she was back and kind of, trying to make as much jokes and she loved having her feet rubbed. Um, it was kind of the thing that relaxed her the most. So literally it was kind of like taking it in turns to rub her feet because she couldn't really sleep very well because of the pain, but she also wanted to be as relaxed as possible. So we just kept giving her foot rubs and stuff like that. Um, and then about half past nine that night, Dr. Wu came around and we were like, oh, okay, he's just going to come and kind of tell us. And, but he didn't look as happy as what you'd kind of expect someone to be if everything went okay. Uh, and he just kind of told us that um, we needed to sit down, um, which you never want to hear. Um, he was kind of saying, right, um, so we didn't remove Tasha's lung. And I was like, okay, this sounds even better. Um, then he said, because when I went in, um, we went to remove the lung and realized that there was nothing actually on the lung or in the lung. And what it actually was, um, was a two and a half kilogram tumor attached to Tashi's diaphragm um, that was causing the shadow and causing the pain. And it was pushing onto the ribs and kind of growing along the diaphragm onto the, onto the chest cavity and then kind of pushing her lung out of the way, which was what was causing the shadow and kind of the reduced breath sounds and everything. Um, that was a huge shock. Um, and then he said, um, I took a, he said he took a, a sample and he, he said he personally took it down to pathology and asked them to run scans on it straight away to try and work out what it was. And um, he just said it was um, a visible spindle cell um, cancer. Um, so kind of at that point, Tash was kind of just wanted to to sleep. So she we let her go off to sleep. Um, and then me being me, just jumped straight on Google and started trying to work out what it, what on earth it could be. 
we then got moved to a side ward, um, like a private side ward because of the amount of kind of pain and medications and thing that, that Tash was on. Um, and had most probably the worst night's sleep ever um, that night. Um, I was allowed to stay in the hospital on kind of a, a put-up bed um, and then kind of woke up and um, we met, which is one of the most things you never want to hear anyone ever say is they walk in the room and say, hi, I'm Dr. Key, I'm your oncologist. Um, it's not really something you ever want to hear. No. Um, but she was really nice. Dr. Key was wonderful. Um, at this point, though, COVID really started to hit. So COVID was floating around. Um, there were certain restrictions about what you could and couldn't do in the hospital and, and they were starting to work out what they needed to do. Um, but we met Dr. Key. Um, she talked us through kind of the initial findings the same way that Dr. Wu had kind of done. And, and she said that from what she saw, um, she agreed that it was a, a spindle cell um, cancer. And then from my pretty much constant night of googling with very little sleep kind of i just said to her i said look does that kind of mean it's a sarcoma um and she kind of just looked at me and nodded um but we weren't sure what kind um so we kind of just um took it with me to kind of with with what we'd googled and with what dr key said it was kind of there was 50 50 chance of kind of that Tash would get through this or not. And she kind of, Dr. Key was always really positive because of Tash's age and Tash's health and Tash and lots of other things. Um, and then it just kind of, as Tash got more and more recovered, because we spent um, a few weeks in hospital um, and I didn't leave the hospital. I was just there the whole time with her. Um, but spent a few weeks in hospital um, doing checks. So we did um, a kidney check, a heart check, um, liver check, um, lung fun function checks and everything like that just to to make sure that everything was okay um, and that she'd be okay for chemotherapy. Um, Dr. Key, who leads the, the sarcoma kind of ward for Southampton and also is paired with um, a couple of hospitals in London um, as like a sarcoma centre, um, she said, look, it's, it's going to be chemotherapy. It's going to be one of a few options um, due to the size of the tumour and kind of the way that it appeared in the pathology. Um, they weren't sure what type of sarcoma it was. Um, yeah. But they knew it was a sarcoma of some some description. Um, uh, so they just we just did loads of checks. Um, we couldn't start um, any chemotherapy because of the way chemotherapy works. Um, it would have started to kill the cells that were repairing um, her scar and all of the internal injuries from what had happened and like the, because um, she was actually kind of like, always said she was part kind of cyborg because they had to take um, uh, quite a large chunk of her diaphragm away um, because it was attached to the tumor. And so she had kind of like mesh work and stuff um, inside her on a diaphragm, which I thought was quite cool. She didn't quite think it was quite cool, but I said it was kind of, you know, part Teflon. Is this, is this, so is this now, are we looking at like Feb, March time? Because you said COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this was March 22nd um, was that surgery. Because, um, because for me, what I don't want to do, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll come back to this point is, is I don't want you to really relive the darkest days and the yeah. darkest moments. Because um, for people who know, 
uh, I've been through it and Hesam's been through it and I don't want it to go through, especially being literally a few months ago. Yeah. But what I do want to do, Sai, is talk about the... There's this people right now worried about, uh, you know, recession, worried about um, redundancies and furloughs, pension policies. Yeah, that's even worse. Um, worrying about the little things. And I think me listening to your story, it kind of puts a different lens that you never know how much little time you have with your loved ones. Yeah. So let, I let think me, there's a let quote me... you used. What was the quote that you used? Um, well, there's a few. Um, the one of was... Um, for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of them was kind of just take every opportunity you can to make memories. You... A lot of people play keeping up with the Joneses where you've got to have a fancy car, or you've got to have a fancy house, or you've got to have a new suit, or you've got to have the perfect handbag or something like that. Mm. And, and some people sacrifice going out or going on holiday or going for a drive around the forest or going for a picnic to be able to do those things. You don't know what's around the corner. Um, if you've ever sacrificed making a memory or just enjoying life to do something like buy something, I can guarantee you that that thing you bought is worthless compared to a memory of a holiday or even stupid things like um, sitting on the beach with a Chinese takeaway. That's far or more important. Even the breakfast with a hash brown. Or oh, the breakfast with a hash brown, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, don't do like. If you need money to live, fair. But you don't need to work seventy-hour weeks, and then miss out on spending time with your partner because of some deadline imposed by someone who doesn't really have a life, or um, or working seventy-hour weeks to get overtime to be able to afford the new car because it's got a better sat nav in it or something like that. Because you're missing out on time that you 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 might not ever get back. Um, so don't don't waste it. If, you, if don't ever give up a chance to make a memory, because when when people are gone, you've only got memories. That new sat nav in that car will mean nothing to you when it, when that person is no longer around. You need the memories because that's what you rely on. That's what gets you through the the darkest times. Just remembering. <sighs> smiles and laughs that's what that's what keeps you going yeah and i'm 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 nodding along because um that's what keeps me going and i think as i'm i'm guessing that's what keeps you going as well because i remember um so we we have and the the first time is always the hardest so you know the the first you know, birthday without them, the first it's anniversary, Christmas. the first yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, I remember the first year anniversary came up with my for my older brother, and I was reliving the you know 
now is 10 p.m 2 a.m we're gonna i'm gonna get the call and i remember what happened and what happened and what happened and you know just like you i we had a doctor come into the room and he said look uh, there's nothing else we can do um his heart has just had enough and i knew i could relive all those darkest lowest moments of my life but what yeah. i chose to do i think similar to you is remember the laughter the craziness i remember and i never forget this the night before we had the petty typical uh, sibling arguments over uh, nachos that we got from, from the, subway from subway dirty nachos right and then my, <laughs> older brother, my older brother goes can you take it to the can you put it in the fridge and i was like no, I'm not doing it. And that sounds like you're not doing it. And he and he was just like, he was, he was getting angry. He was like, for fuck's sake, just go put it there. They don't mind. That's what I remember. Those, even though, you know, and again, for us, we didn't know. You know, we left him 11 o'clock, get him subway and a dirty nachos, have a laugh. And then 2 a.m., we get a call saying, can you come in? Your brother isn't well. And within a few hours, and clutched to every straw and for the first time posting on social media, and say, please, I'm begging everyone to just pray for my brother, to yeah. be there till the last second. Um, it's horrible. It's horrible, but at the same time, and I don't know if, if it's for you, uh, uh, and for me, I was there till the last second, for, for both of us, we were there to the last second. Yeah. It yeah. was the lowest moment and the most horrible moment that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. But at the same time, really bizarrely, I'm glad I was there yeah, oh, definitely. Second. Yeah, so I, it got to the point. So if I fast forward a bit, so we 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 went through chemo and did stuff and, and kind of, and then we got to the point where um, this kind of ties into the reason for the wedding. Well, not the reason for the wedding, but the reason kind of we started on the wedding piece, which was we were going through the chemo and then we had some more scans and some more PET scans to see how things were going. Um, although they'd removed the primary tumour, it had spread. Um, so it was done and it was diagnosed as stage four sarcoma. Um, the pathology came back. They didn't know what it was. Um, it was such a rare sarcoma. They didn't actually have a name for it. It just got a description. Um, so the treatment was kind of, this is what we do for generic sarcomas. Um, so we did that and it, it didn't work. Um, the sarcoma was too aggressive. So we went in to see Dr. Key um one day um just to see how things are and, and she wasn't quite as bubbly dr key was always really chipper um she wasn't that wasn't that chipper this day um and she just kind of sat us down in a room um and just said to us just said look um the chemotherapy hasn't worked um and then tash just kind of was in shock and kind of cried and just asked the question she said well what does this mean and dr key was always really good at not sharing certain things like unless tash really wanted to know the answer um but then tash asked she said well, what does it mean for me um she said am i going to die and she said yeah um and then she said well how long have i got and um dr key said between three and 12 weeks and it was almost like as i was going through it i was like but she said between three and 12 and I was like, okay, she's going to say months. She's going to say months. And then she said weeks. And I was like, what? And it was just instant shock. Um, because at this point, um, Tasha was having bad days, but Tasha was having good days. I mean, she drove us to her, to her appointment. 
Um, she was still going up and down the stairs. She was still having a laugh. She was still, um, but yeah, that was kind of a shock. But it, it was literally as soon as Doctor Key left the room, it was when I just dropped, like just just asked her. I was like, "Look, Tash, uh, will you marry me?" Um, and thankfully, she said yes. Um, but then it became. Um, then they did what was um, what they call kind of a palliative chemotherapy, um, which is they know the chemotherapy is not working to to kill it and and kind of uh, kind of um, fix Tash, but um, they keep going with the chemotherapy because it obviously is slowing it down. Yeah, it's to extend, there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so she had palliative chemotherapy that day um, and that's the reason why Dr. Key was there and we were talking and stuff uh, and then Tash had a really bad reaction to it um, so we we went home from the chemo that day it was a kind of a two o'clock appointment and it was um, it was a really quick chemo compared to some of the other ones that she'd had um, it was infused over an hour um, we went home got to about half past seven that night and and her heart rate peaked and like a temperature went up and we ended up going back in hospital and they took us straight to she was i won't say luckily but because of the fact she was 24 when she was diagnosed she was treated on in southampton general hospital's um teenage and young adult cancer ward which yeah. it's a really nice ward um really well looked after the people there and the, the staff and nurses and doctors are really nice um i mean if you've got cancer as a teenager or a young adult is most probably the best place you can go you get a private room private bathroom is that the new ward the were the were the, the new section of the building they were working on um it's it's not in the new section of the building but it is new um okay it's on it's c7 so it's just on the ground floor but it's um, it is really nice but it's, it's lovely i mean all of the rooms have got like fake fireplaces um and oh, tvs wow. and fridges and kind of microwaves and stuff so it's lovely it's kind of done so that if you your immune system's really low from chemotherapy you can kind of live in that room and know that it's clean we got taken in straight into one of those and again i, I just wasn't leaving tasha's side they, they tried to kick me out but um part of the fact of eating all the pies it means people can't really move you very well um so they, they didn't really argue and they just let me stay um and at yeah, this point, it was as well. <laughs> um, at this point, it was um, proper COVID, so they just went, "Okay, right, we're not going to fight you for it." Um, and they just kept doing um, COVID swabs on us. Um, so we had yeah. another swab. Um, I think we were some of the only people in the whole of the UK at this point to know that we didn't have COVID um, because it wasn't the public's um, like swabbing and stuff wasn't open yet. Um, so that was quite a relief to know that we didn't have it. Um, but then they said, look, um, the only way you're going to get married is in the hospital. The only way we're going to do it is if um, we ask for a special license from the church in London. So, And we had five days to, to get the wedding done. Um, so literally the, the Monday was the chemo and we got married on the Friday. Um, lots of fretting and running around and next day deliveries of kind of um, wedding suits um suits for tash's dad because he was father of the father of the bride and best man um and just and then extra swabs as well so we had the family come in to get swabs so that they could come into the church on the friday um which was really good so we ended up managing to have the wedding um with tash's mum dad um her sister and her ellie um 
And then on Zoom was um, my sister, brother-in-law, and her, and my like uh, our Tasha and our nephews. Yeah. Um, and then my mum and dad, and her nan and granddad, and her cousin, who's like her best friend. Um, so they were all on kind of a Zoom call um, with the with the laptop kind of just placed in the middle next to the altar. Yeah, but it was lovely. Yeah, really, really nice day. Yeah, I've seen pictures. Um, and to be fair, it, it did look. Well, I think I said at the beginning of the of the of the episode, it, it looked like the happiest day. Yeah, it really was. Usually grumpy. So when I saw the smile, it's part picture, of being a project manager, though. You can't be you can't be an optimistic <laughs> project manager. Yeah. <laughs> grumpy at all times. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just that day. The, the cancer wasn't there. Everything just went away, doesn't it? It was just about the love you felt in that yeah. room and obviously virtually with you know with the rest of the family on, on Zoom. Yeah, it was it was just about love. It was good. Funny thing was everyone everyone on the Zoom dressed up as well. Even though they weren't <laughs> actually at the wedding. Everyone's there in suits and dresses and stuff like that. Even like even our little nephews were kind of all smart and like looking good. So it's really nice. Just a top off. <laughs> Zoom, so you don't have to wear the trousers. So you can wear the top half. <laughs> Do you know what? I never checked that actually. Because you're right, it was mostly the top you half. I don't of want people, to check so. that. I don't <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was good. Um, and then the ward was really good. They had a spare room at that point. So there's six living rooms um, on the ward where you can, like the ones I was explaining just a minute ago. Yeah. And um, there was a spare one. So they um, they did it up as a wedding reception for us. Um, and the waitrose um, around the corner from where one of the um, nurses lived donated flowers, um, some champagne and a cake. Um, so we had like a little wedding reception. And they'd put lights up and bunting and music and it was really nice there was um i think there's one picture i think on the um there's a picture on the um the gofundme page which is um us kind of sat um or tash sat on the bed and i stood around the bed kind of in the room that they'd done for us and it says like um happy wedding and like kind of wedding reception and stuff it was it was really nice is your is your wedding there? It's supposed to be nice, and it sounds yeah, like exactly. It sounds like it, it was, and I, I think uh, in one of the interviews, um, you did say even though Sai is a project manager, um, you know, Tash had the final say so on the on, on <laughs> oh the, definitely the color, yeah, definitely. So um, Tash wasn't because she had the really bad reaction. She was kind of she wasn't really up to doing a lot of the stuff. Is in as much as heavily as involved as she would have liked to have been, mm. but she had final say. So it was kind of, um, I'd spent the uh, the whole day trawling through what wedding dresses and stuff that we could get for her, um, suit colours for me, tie colours um, and stuff like that. But she still had final say. So I was like, right, this is your options. Uh, this is what we can have. And it was like, yep, yeah, okay, fine. And she still picked it. I mean, she chose a beautiful jumpsuit, um, which was kind of, it was a wedding jumpsuit, which I thought was amazing. So because she was in and out of kind of the bed and the wheelchair and stuff like that. It was, um, it, it was perfect because it was, it was wedding. So it was covered in sequins. It was white. It was elegant. It was beautiful, but it was a jumpsuit. So it was perfect. Um, and they like say some of the pictures and videos you can see, um, 
of her wearing it and stuff. It was absolutely gorgeous. So that was your happiest day. And as I said, as you mentioned, you, and based on you describing it, you've, you kind of for a, you know, for that day, for those minutes, you forget about, I want to say, did you feel like you created a bubble? Yes. And you were in it for that you moment. S- yeah, we switched off the outside world. We switched off the diagnosis. We switched off the the countdown clock that was kind of the, imp- the impending doom countdown clock that was there and just switched it all off. We had friends and family, the people that mattered and doing the thing or doing the thing that mattered to us the most. That was getting married. I don't think anyone could have, no one could have ruined it because it was just literally just pure happiness. And we had little things that were really good. Isn't because Tash worked at the cathedral, the the dean of Winchester Cathedral, which I didn't know this again because I'm, I'm the dean's a pretty big deal apparently. Um, so when she came down and married us, it was um it was really nice and, and that made Tash really happy. Um, so yeah, it was um nothing could have like change that day nothing could have made that day bad because it was just perfect i don't really want to put you through you know after the wedding yeah Um, there was things that were good though so we always wanted to go obviously we talked about honeymoons and everything and tash loved the sun um but we said one of the things we do is kind of like this is before we knew everything that was that was happening um we wanted a mini moon which was kind of to go and see the northern lights um, so I think you might have had this in one of the interviews or something or one of the pieces was um, obviously I couldn't take her to see the Northern Lights it took um, it was another week of being in hospital before we could go home um, but literally uh, one day she she was having a rest um, because she spent most of her time upstairs at the, uh, kind of relaxing on the bed at this point um, she was having a sleep and I'd set up a projector and um, was projecting the northern lights onto the ceiling. Um, so that that was our honeymoon, which was um, that's, that was really good. Really like that. And then um, we had another one, kind of with her family, where um, someone had bought us um, a huge set of stuff for an afternoon tea, um, and they'd even. Um, made like special requests for us for the afternoon tea. So we had kind of like scones and clotted cream and jam and cakes and everything. It was lovely. Um, yeah, so we had like a few little kind of happy pieces uh, kind of once we got home just to celebrate the wedding. Um, yeah, it was really good. You were creating memories. Exactly. That's what you're doing. That's all you're talking about. They don't yeah, have to be expensive. Think- I mean, no, and I think what you've highlighted, Sai, um, sorry for getting you across, again, is listening to you is making me realise I need to create more memories, you know, with my brother, with mum and dad, with friends, people that I care about. Um, because as you said, it's not about the cars. No, no, you're right, though. He's shaking his head as he's saying that just to... <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong you've got to enjoy life but yeah but don't get a stupid BMW alright we need to name drop <laughs> we need to name drop cars um, 
But no, oh, I, think- no but then, uh, but I have to say, some of Tasha's happiest memories was when she was in the Nissan sliding it around roundabout sideways. And they're some of my happiest memories as well. So you've got to have some nice things to be able to do that. Um, so you, you can still have the nice cars, but just don't sacrifice everything for, for possessions. And how has it been for you for the past few months? I could say difficult, but I think that's an understatement. Um, it's been good times, bad times, um, lots of memory joggers and stuff like that. And it's kind of, you have happy moments when you remember things and then you have sad moments. Um, mm. But we've been concentrating on kind of doing the fundraising and stuff like that. And, kind of like interviews with BBC and, and kind of like magazines and stuff. But a lot of it's been um, trying to do whatever we can around kind of the um, the fundraising and stuff, just so that if Tash and I were in quite a lucky position, um, we could afford to have a wedding. We could afford to buy dresses just off like off the rail, just and a new suit for me and um, stuff like that. Um, yeah, not everyone can do that, but they shouldn't miss out because of that. So what we've been trying to do is kind of pull together some kind of money and um, some fundraising so that we can give some money back to kind of a combination of the ward. Um, for so the TYA award at Southampton, but also Teenage Cancer Trust because Teenage Cancer Trust does a lot of the like. Well, Teenage Cancer Trust paid for that that award um, through its fundraising and stuff. Um, so we've we've been doing everything we can to try and kind of to do that so that I mean it's a, it's a teenage cancer it's a teenage ward so there'll be people from kind of fourteen and upwards on there. I, I, they might want to get married. I never know. Um, but there's going to be 21 to 24-year-olds in there that could have had a partner they've had since school um, and they might want to get married. So we've been trying to do little things to kind of give to the the ward to enable them to get married. Little things like um, we want to give them stuff so they can they can enable other people's dreams because people might be in the same situation as Dash. They, they might be there because they know that it's terminal, but they've got a list of things they want to do um, or they, they want to try and do before they actually kind of um, pass away. So we've been trying to j- just raise some money so we can give it to the war so they can kind of um, make people's dreams come true. Because the last thing I want to see is kind of people have regrets. You, you, know, you never want to, you don't want to ever want to say that you regret not doing something. Um, a lot of people say they regret not winning the lottery, but unfortunately that's not something that you can control. But you don't want to have a regret that you couldn't marry the person you love because you couldn't because you were worried about a suit or something silly like that. So we want to kind of give some money to them to to enable it um, for them and the families and that to, to actually to do that. And um, I mean, the, the fundraising's gone amazingly well. I mean, we first put up a the GoFundMe page, and we just kind of thought, oh, if we get five hundred pounds, um, 
be amazing. Give something to them and they can buy some kit and some wedding dresses or something like that just so they keep them there so that for the people to use. Yeah. Um, and then it went past 500 and got to 1,000. So we were like, oh, cool. And then it got to 5,000. We're like, oh, okay, this is um, this is quite a chunk of money. And then it kept going up and kept going up. And um, I think the GoFundMe page now has 24,700 on it. Um, and then we've got other donations that have come in from people as cash um, and like kind of checks directly to from businesses that have to go directly to kind of the charity themselves rather than through yeah. GoFundMe. And so it's over 25, 26,000 pounds that's been raised now. Wow. Um, so we're, we're absolutely blown away. Um, I mean, shows how amazing Tash is because a load of the people kind of were people Tash knew and kind of people that she'd influence. And, and it's been kind of going back to your original question. It's kind of, it's been the happy things is, hearing from Tasha's friends who I kind of never got to meet because they were her school friends or her college friends or her uni friends that kind of you might drift away from or not speak to all the time but a lot of them have kind of come out and just said just the good things that Tash did for them like someone came out and told me that Tash taught her to drive and then another chap came out and said that he struggled with self-confidence and, and, and Tash taught him how to be confident like not to worry about what other people thought um obviously not become arrogant or anything but just she taught him to kind of to do things and, and a lot of the stuff that she um she taught people was kind of the stuff that she realized when she was traveling around asia and spent time at like a monastery and spent time kind of realizing again that it was memories that memories that count um so she kind of taught people and and Tash wasn't Tash wasn't vain. Tash wasn't kind of thing, but she was a very popular person. So she thought that she had to fill Instagram with pictures and she had to have a Snapchat with loads of followers. And that was kind of pre-traveling Tash. And then while she was away, she kind of realized that the memories that she's making are for her. They're not for other people to kind of like comment on or or kind of judge or yeah. like or anything like that so she stopped she kind of mid-traveling she just kind of turned it all off um, stopped worrying about what other people thought about her traveling and stuff and just did it for her and and it was kind of that realization that she then started like passing on to other people and just simple things like she'd ask herself does it matter in five minutes time like whatever you're gonna argue about or moan about or comment on in five minutes time will anyone give a shit and if they don't then what's the point of worrying about it, 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 it there isn't <laughs> i like i like a motto uh motto not motto um i don't know i think it's a character from uh, madagascar um no it's the hello motto oh yeah. the yeah. um also again motto 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 you know Ah, uh, yeah. The guy who was walking funny. Anyways, I think, I think, tell me this because I had this. I had a similar, um, I had a similar thing with my older brother. Where you know, you find out other aspects of the life that you weren't aware aware of, and it's it's really, I don't know. For, I think for it's us, it was bizarre that you find out 
that how you know how amazing they were, but you go, wow, I didn't know this part. Or you look at it differently when somebody else explains it. Yeah, massively. I mean, like people telling me stories of what she told me from the other way around or just Tash not telling me something, not in a bad way, but just not telling me because she didn't think it was like that big a deal. Uh, but then the other person, it, again, it's going to sound cheesy, but like life-changing, but like it changed their opinion on something or changed their outlook on something. Whereas to Tash, it was kind of like, it wasn't, she wasn't going to walk around like a messiah and say that she was like healing people or anything like that. But whereas actually yeah. some of the stuff, some of the stuff she did and said really did like change people. And not, not completely I don't, change them. No, just- no, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's cheesy at all. I think that's, that's powerful and then probably a, a good example of, you know, the kind of person uh, she was and she is. And I think, sorry, one thing you've got to realize is you've not only cemented her legacy probably forever because obviously she's clearly influenced other people in her in her time um but also you know this every time and what i hope and one of the reasons um i wanted to do this you know with you is you realize as you said memory lives on forever yeah. Uh, you know, a, a piece of clothing, or you know, uh, we've got um, you know stuff from our from from my you know from our brother, and you know some of them we've kept, some of them we gave with charity. But I said to you know to my mum, I said to my dad, it's the memories that will stay on forever, no matter if I'm uh, having a good day or a bad day. If I'm you know five years later, fifty years later, it will all put a smile when I remember the. Um, you know, the dirty naturals in our case. In your case, it's all those memories of, you know, the blind date winding up your, you know, your friends to the to the uh, extra hash brown for the breakfast. Uh, you, you know, uh, you going all in for all in, as in for food. Yeah. Right. <laughs> trying to make a joke there. All in, you know. Um, but I think, again, for people who listen to this, and I said at the beginning, it's quite raw because... It's fresh. Uh, it's fresh. It's yeah. fresh. Yeah. But but let's put it this way: six months later, a year or two years later, Sai is still going to be your soulmate. Is your soulmate, and what she meant to you will mean the exact same thing a year and six months later. And I'm not saying that to say, by the way, it's going to be. It's. I think someone said to me, "Time is a healer," and I said, "You'd never forget people." you just learn to somehow readjust and cope with it. Yeah. yeah. It's like Windows Vista and then you become Windows 10. That's a bad example. That's a really bad <laughs> example. And I can't believe you made an IT IT Because both IT guys were here. I thought I'd make yeah. an IT reference. For, no, but stop. Windows Vista was a thing we always wanted to forget. That's very true. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. It's kind of... IT. The pain never goes away. The You just learn... That happiness trumps pain. And yeah, the memories will always be there. And I, and I think what I want people to take away from today, us having a conversation, um, is just reflect for five ten minutes. Look around the people that you care about, but not only that though, the people you've had a petty 
um, argument is exact is, is, is example you give about hash saying five minutes later you know does it you know is it gonna is it gonna help me or not so I'm gonna make that I'm gonna use that example because I think that's perfect so for people who are listening um, if you've had a petty argument with your sibling with your cousin with your friend with your co-worker is it really worth it if you know uh, if they're not here five minutes later and you don't have a chance to say you know say sorry to them or forgive me so put aside your pettiness uh, and whatever you argued about and pick up the phone be the first one to apologize say you love yeah. them and i know it's really cheesy but it's the truth if i'm being completely transparent i mean uh, no, but it, i think what was strange is you said your co-worker as well i'm not going to pick up my phone and say to my co-worker i love them i didn't okay <laughs> anyway sorry go on you're gonna say something i'm gonna ignore my brother uh, i think a lot of it as well is understand that other people are different. We've suddenly got into a world where if people don't agree with you, they're wrong. And it's quite scary some of the things that people will fight over for differences. In the world, there is clear right and wrong. But everyone's different and everyone has different views on things. Someone might be a conservative supporter. Someone might be a Labour supporter. doesn't mean they're a horrible person and doesn't mean that because they might think the opposite of you that you either need to tell them they're wrong or fall out with them over it. Understand that differences is what makes the world interesting. If everyone was the same, it'd be like the Borg where it was boring and, and dull. Don't fall out with people because of differences. I mean, if they're a stark raving racist, then yeah, fair enough. Don't give them the time of day. But if they have a different opinion on, I don't know, LGBT rights or something like that, don't fall out with them on it as long as they're not completely against it. If they've got a very slightly different tweak on it, then don't don't write them off for it. Isn't the world, world's I don't too think, sh- no, I t- world's too it's too short, short and too small to, yeah to, yeah to have pay arguments yeah and like I say in five minutes time would it matter it's kind of if you enjoy having fun with that person don't let the fact that you're a Labour voter and they're a Conservative voter sway the fact that actually five minutes ago you were still having fun and then you found this out and it doesn't change that person. You have to go and make a political reference, didn't you? (laughs) Can you just cut that bit out? Um... (laughs) Okay, if you like dark chocolate and they like milk chocolate, it doesn't make them a bad person. (laughs) That's a good example. Just love all the chocolates. There you go. No, I think... I think you're making a valid point, uh, jokes aside. And yeah, for 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 me and Hesam, I think as we were listening to, um, it's really it's hard to describe it because I feel like we were where where you are now, uh, two years ago. You know, when at, at the beginning, and you're trying to process it and you're trying to make sense, and I I think you've done one hell of a job to as i said keep tasha's legacy alive alive and, and raise awareness as well at the same time yeah um brave to talk about it quite openly 
um i've watched uh i've watched the interview you gave with bbc and obviously this is you know going bigger f- than bbc of course it is yeah this is three musketeers podcast um hashtag plug um <laughs> no i think i think jokes aside but i think so, i think what i hope this has been for you as well because i think it was for me when i started to talk about my emotions what's the word i'm thinking cathartic is that the right word yeah yeah so i'm hoping you've it's helped you in a way as well um it's helped me because i mean this is most probably the first time i've been able to tell the whole story i mean uh, the magazines wanted it from a certain lens because it sells more magazines um i don't mind that because they're going to put the fundraising pieces on there um, yeah. The same as BBC, I only got two minutes. So what I've managed to kind of talk for for an hour or however long it's been, uh, I, uh, two minutes is all I got on BBC. So it's kind of, like this is the first time I think I've, I've actually told the full story of kind of, and even then we've abridged quite a few parts of it because otherwise we'd be here for another three hours. I'd love to do a FU BBC in there, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> FU BBC. Uh, I'm not going to say it. You, know. you just did. No, I didn't. I didn't we have it. to edit that part out. We don't have to. It's it's raw. We've we've swore before on this podcast. And then what be strange is if he looks at the podcast and it's like five minutes. It's like, oh, they cut the whole thing off. No, we're not going to do that. Um, we'll <laughs> cut Simon, by Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Simon. And bye, Simon. No, like jokes aside, it's been good to to have you talk quite frankly and openly, as you said from the beginning, uh, the good days. And that's what I wanted to, to to talk about is the good days and rather than focus on negative, but obviously there's, there's no other way around it. Um, yeah, you... I mean, make memories. That's, that's the biggest thing I can say is don't go and watch another Netflix series. Go and look at the stars. Go outside, sit and look at the stars. Get a blanket if, I mean, Tash was painful for it because she got cold really easily. Um, get three blankets but go outside and look at the stars and just enjoy it you don't need to watch that next episode of something on Netflix just just do something you'll remember because I guarantee you you won't remember season 2 episode 3 of whatever you are watching on Netflix but if you go and lay out in the stars and have a fire or see a shooting star or something or a satellite you'll remember that very true um, I was going to say it's going to be those memories that's going to you come back to you and reflect and laugh or smile or cry and not the Netflix episode season two. Uh, but I mean, obviously, if the next thing you could do is the next episode of this podcast and obviously do that because, you know, it's worth it. Of course, that's very true. <laughs> Plug from Simon. Um, Sai, so honestly, um, I wish we'd done an episode on, as I said, about our friendship and how um, we got on... Um, strangely what with our app ideas with our app we had app ideas there you go there's my yeah Yeah. um we had loads i think one of them was actually uber oh god Uh, (sighs) see he knows yeah one of them was uber one of those uber eats uber if you're listening to this me and Sai actually cracked the first and then we had one which i'm not going to say on air um because we we saw my for for those who don't know, Hamid's claim he came up with Uber first, Amazon first, Apple first. No, no, no. Before before they all came up with it, somehow all these people there's, been stealing his ideas from his head. That sign knows exactly what it is, but I'm not gonna say the name in air because it'll just uh, it, it might uh, just get me in trouble. Yes. I'll tell you offline. 
Um, it was a brilliant app idea, honestly. <laughs> It was brilliant. I've, I've told you about this. I'm looking at his. I've told you about this. I even pitched to mum and dad, but um, he he didn't. Oh, I didn't think I know he's talking. Yeah, about let's it. don't 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 mention it. Yeah, just because <laughs> just because it's controversial. <laughs> Anyways, um, Sai, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? I don't think so. Um, I'm, I appreciate the opportunity to kind of like say tell the whole story, kind of warts and all, and kind of. <sighs> I mean, I don't want to sound like a preacher on a soapbox, but it's kind of if, if if what we've talked about tonight kind of changes one person's outlook on life or what they're going to do in the next five minutes, I'm, I'm happy because you know, that's what it's about. I mean, it's just passing on knowledge, passing on kind of experiences, whether they're good or bad. I'd rather someone learns from my experience and your experience or all of ours experience and kind of just changes one little bit of their life for the better i think that's the best way to um to wrap this episode up if we'll put the GoFund link on the description description for anyone to uh, to go on it and support it um sai once again thank you uh for being with us today no thank you both it's been really good Thank you for listening to another episode of The Three Musketeers, hosted by Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Don't forget to share and follow, as more thought-provoking episodes with guests around the world will be appearing soon. See you soon.